Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Okay, gentlemen, wow, Baruch Hashem, it's beautiful to be back, back in business, better than ever, as we say. Welcome in, everybody, to this new week, new shiur. This week's parasha, we have a double parasha, Matot Maseh, two parashiyot, which means we have a lot to discuss. We're going to focus in on one topic, but first I'd like to give a little background to the topic. Today is actually, today in English, it's the English date, but I'm going to say it anyways. Today is July 12th. Right? July 12th? Which would have been my grandmother's 88th birthday. It would have been. She was Niftera two years ago. This is her second yard site. So our learning should be You know, it's not her Hebrew, but English birthday, uh, July 12th. So tonight we should learn. She was a wonderful woman. She's around. He's okay. She was a very sweet woman, and she always was thinking about the other person. I went to visit her when she was sick. And she was always asking me, how's my wife? How are the kids? Even though she was sick and she was not well herself, even when she started to lose it mentally, she was always asking me, how are the wife and the kids? Even when she wasn't there so much. It was a very special woman. Uh, so anyways, we're learning tonight, Lilu Nishmatai. Uh, her name is Esther Rezal Bat Yisrael. And uh, our learning should be Lilu Nishmatai. Zat Hashem, we should learn and, uh, for her merit. Zat Hashem. I want to share an idea today. You know, sometimes you learn an idea in the Torah. And it jumps at you and you say, this doesn't make any sense at face value. Just simple pshat. There has to be a simple pshat. I posted it today. Baruch Hashem, I got a lot of exciting responses today from the uh, question. I don't know whoever saw it, who didn't see it, but I'm going to go over the idea today. Something I think very, very interesting to discuss, and I want to hear what everyone has to say as well. It's a very interesting topic. In Parashat Matot, at the end of the Parashat, so let's just remember where we're holding in history. It's the 40th year of travel. The Jews are on the border of Israel. They're going to go into Israel in a few months. A few months they're going to go in. After 40 years of schlepping around the desert, Moshe Rabbeinu is eventually in a few months going to pass away. Yahushua Benun is going to take over and lead the Jews to the Promised Land. Literally the Promised Land. So on the, on the border of Israel, two of the tribes who are called Reuven and Gad, they come over to Moshe Rabbeinu and they make a request. They ask him, look, we already conquered area on the, the east, right? The east side of the Jordan. The east, I think. It's Transjordan. East, east of the Jordan. We conquered this area, the eastern bank thing, exactly, which was the land of Og and Sichon. This was the area that was originally owned by Og and Sichon. We spoke about how the Jews wiped these people out. And now the Jews are, they're settled in this area near Eretz Yisrael, near the Jordan, near Og and Sichon's territories, which is now open, open territory for them to take. So Reuven and God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, look, we have a lot of cattle, we have a lot of animals, sheep, etc. We want to take this area 
as our portion of the land. Why? Because this is an area that is very lush. It has a lot of place to graze for the animals to eat. And this is very appropriate for us because we own so many animals. This will be perfect territory for us. So we would rather take our portion on Transjordan, the east of the Yarden, not in Eretz Yisrael proper. That's what they say to Moshe Rabbein. Now, there's a whole conversation that continues. I'll just go through the highlights. Moshara Benin turns back and he gets upset at them. Why does he get upset at them? He understood what they were saying was, we want to settle here and the other tribes will go into the land and fight and conquer the seven nations. And we're just going to stay here. We're just going to stay here. That's what he understood they were saying. We're just going to stay on the east of the Yarden and all the other tribes will go into Israel and fight and conquer the land. So he understood this and they said, how could you possibly say this? You know, sounds like the Meraglim. That's exactly what he says. Why are you talking like this? You're going to create fear amongst the other people. The other Jews are going to say, why do they want to settle here? Because they're scared to go in. You're going to cause fear. And maybe we'll have to schlep around 40 more years in the desert. Don't do that, it's a bad idea. So they say to him, no, no, no. Listen, that's not what we meant, Moshe Rabbeinu. Not only did we not mean that, we are going to go in, fight with the Jewish people, and then come back and claim our territories. So they said, what, what, let's make an agreement. This was what they eventually concluded. We're going to build up this area of Transjordan, the east of the Jordan, for our children, for our animals, and we'll settle them here. We'll settle them over here before we go in. Then we're going to go in with the rest of the Jewish people and fight and conquer the land so that the other people can settle in the land of Israel. Then we will go back to our originally intended property and settle in the east of the Yarden, Transjordan. That's the plan that they said. And Moshe and, the, and Bnei Gad and Reuven agreed to this. Everybody clear with what I just said? I'll say it one more time. What they said is like this. We're but they not, wanted to, in the beginning was the idea not to, to fight. That was not Just the, to take no, the... No, 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 they clarified. They clarified. That's not what they meant. It's not, okay. what, they meant. It's not what we meant. They said, Moshe, no, it's not what we meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of screaming going on over there. Some people like to scream. I don't like to scream, obviously. Yeah. So, no, there's no question yet. So the point is, no. The point is, what Moshe and B'nai Gan and B'nai agreed was like this. You can set up territory for your kids, for your animals, on the east of the Yarden now, but you cannot settle in it yet yourselves. You have to go into Eretz Israel, go into Israel, fight. On behalf of the Jewish people, Rashi actually tells us that God were the powerful soldiers who fought in the front. They were like the leaders of the army. So go in and fight with the rest of the Jews. When the land has been conquered and settled, then you'll go back and settle yourselves on east of the Yarden. So you'll leave your children, you'll leave your families on the east of the Yarden. You'll go and fight. After you fight and conquer the land for the rest of the Jews, then you'll go back and settle your territories like before. Beautiful. This was an agreed upon thing, and this was acceptable. And that's what ended up happening, by the way. That's what ended up happening. I, I want to get to a specific detail about this, but yeah, what's your, make it short. What happened with a portion of land that uh, was supposed to be given to them inside Israel? That's a very good question. So it seems this was originally the intended plan. Because otherwise, uh, what, what, it seems like this was probably part of the original calculation. It was just a question of who would take it. So Reuven and God said, we want to be the ones to take it based on the fact that we have a lot of animals and there's a lot of grazing territory here. 
Rashi tells us in the conversation between Moshe and the children of God and Reuven, there's an underlying argument that occurred. It's not mentioned clearly in the Psukim, but there's an underlying uh, argument and criticism. Listen to this. Fascinating thing. It's a Medrash, really. Listen to, I'll t- listen to the Psukim. I want to read you two Psukim and point out to me what's the difference between these two Psukim. When they come and make the request, originally, it's Pasuk, it's Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Yutet, uh, Tet Zayin, excuse me. Listen to, listen to the words of the Pasuk. So the, the Shvatim, God and Reuven, approach Moshe, and they say, Vayikshu Elav, they approach Moshe, Vayomru, and they say, listen, listen good, Gidrot son nivneli meknenu po, we will build pens for our sheep, for our flock, for our animals, barn, right, a place for our animals to live, and we'll build cities for our children. Now when Moshe responds, listen to his response, it's Pasuch Avdalet, build cities for your children, and areas for your animals to live, and fulfill what you say you're going to do. What is the clear difference between the way they ask and the way that they're answered? What's more important? First, they're going to build for the animal first, and then the people, and Moshe said build the houses, and then the So let me just reiterate what Yosef just said, and the Midrash points this out. Midrash I'm going to read you the Midrash in a moment. When they asked for the land, they said, here's what we'll do. We will build corrals, pens, for our animals to live in. First of all, business. And cities for our children. And Moshe responds, first you'll build cities for your children, and then pens for your animals. Okay, it's clear in the Psukim. Comes the Midrash Tanchuma. Listen, listen. Midrash Tanchuma, Tanchuma Zayin, on this parasha. I'm going to read you the Midrash. Listen to the Midrash, if you could hear me. The Midrash says like this. This is what the Pasuk means when it says, in Kohelet, it says, The heart of a wise person is on his right. What does it mean? Okay, that refers to Moshe Rabbeinu, to wisdom. Now what does it mean? The heart of a fool is on his left. What does that mean? I did that wrong. But it's left. Whoever's <laughs> paying attention. We're all fools. <laughs> I don't know nobody on there. You got a problem with it. Who are the ones that are fools? Elu b'nei Reuven u'b'nei Gad. This refers to these tribes of Reuven and Gad. They made the main thing secondary, less important. And they made something that was less important, more important. Lama, what happened? Shechid, listen to the words of Chazal, this is Midrash Tanchuma. They loved their possessions, their money their property more than themselves. That's what the Midrash says. Rashi brings down more than their children. But it's a similar idea. They love their money, they love their property more than their children, their, their fa- themselves. She'amru Moshe because they said to Moshe, First they say, we'll build corrals or pens for our animals. And then, first this, and afterwards, We'll build cities for our children. Moshe says back to them, 
That's not how you should do it. Do the main thing first. Build cities for your children. And afterwards, build pens for your animals. And then Medrash reiterates this. As Hashem tells these people, actually the outcome is, you love your money more than yourselves, by your life you're not going to see bracha. I saw somewhere brought down, it was a Midrash Rab I think I saw, that's why they were the first ones to get exiled by... Sancher of Melech Ashur. The first ones to get exiled were those on Transjordan because they loved their money more than their children. So they were even punished for this ultimately. But what's amazing is, this is the Sancher of, exactly, Sancher of Melech Ashur. When he exiled, there were three levels of exile. They were the first ones to get exiled. But their location was also much closer to the exile. So let's speak to Zafir. What's going on? They're telling Moshe, we want to build pens, corrals for our animals, and then we'll build cities for our children. And Moshe says, that's, that's wrong. You're making the, the less important the main thing, and the main thing the less important. First you build cities for your children, and then you build, you build corrals for your animals. And they accept, by the way, at the end of it, it seems like they reiterate, okay, well, we accept, that's what we're going to do. Now Moshe's position is very understandable. Moshe's saying, Obviously, your children or yourselves, the way the Midrash learns, either way, is more important than your money, obviously. That's question, of course. But what were they thinking? What were they possibly thinking over here to say that our money, our possessions, our property is more significant, is more important than our children? What kind, let me reiterate that, what kind of a Jewish parent would ever think? Do you ever imagine such a thing? Who can imagine? A Jewish parent would ever say, my money, my possessions is more significant to me than my children? There's a horrible mentality. So he, and, he, and that's what they seem to be saying. Moshe is putting them in their place and they accept the criticism. But what were they thinking in the first place? How do we possibly understand such a mentality where they're saying, my property, our property is more significant. We're going to build for our animals, and then we're going to build cities for our for our uh, children after. Yeah. You could go ahead. How are you going to feed your family if you don't have the animals set up first? How are you going to milk the cow and the? Where are you going to get the meat? Where are you going to get the meat? First, you have to set up a supermarket, which is what they wanted to do, and then you could set up the family. I hear that. Who said that? You, you said this today? You said a similar idea today. So Yosef, beautiful. Uria, beautiful. I said three answers. That's one. Hold on, I'll get to you in a minute. What Uriel's saying is, you need first, I think Yosef also wrote this, in Ein, in Ein, Ein Kemach in Torah? No. Ein Kemach in Torah. There has to be some income, and that's the income. The only problem I have with that is, all right, beautiful. You can set up the makolot afterwards. Just give your kids a place to live and then set up a place, a barn for the sheep. You don't necessarily have to set up a barn first. Meaning, why are you setting up the corral first and showing that's your priority? That's a Rashi's learning here. It's a priority. The words of the Midrash, hear the Midrash. Chavivim, listen to the Midrash. They love their money more than themselves or their kids. That's what the Midrash says. You could say what you're saying, but that's a pshat. But that doesn't explain how they could possibly love their money more than their kids. That just seems to be a totally corrupt mentality. And that's not any way any Jewish parent would think that way. Nobody thinks that way. Who thinks that way? What do you want to say, Yosef? Yeah. 
Beautiful. Joseph, excellent. I love it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go on this. I'm going to use that idea. Very nice. What do you want to say? Yeah. Can I say what I wrote? But not only I got two answers. Number one. Um, first you give the animals and then you eat. So you gotta give some respect to the animals. But that's a small one. The big one that I think is the correct Now you got animals and we have people. For the animals you build things and for the other one you gotta build a city. Yes. So it only makes sense to build a little bit of things, put out a model. That would take maybe a week. It's, it's then quicker. Go it's quicker. Much quicker. Much quicker. <laughs> And then, and then go and do the same. Why should the animals will suffer for so long till the whole city built? So, so I want to say about this, what Yosef's saying. Let me just repeat what Yosef just said. Yosef just said, the pshat is, you can build a pen or a barn very superficially flimsy. It takes a few minutes, but a house for people is going to take longer. So build that first. But that doesn't answer the Midrash, because the Midrash says they love their money more than their children. That's my question. That's my problem. Exactly. So what you're saying is a shot, maybe why they did that, but that's not explaining the midrash ultimately. Go ahead, Daniel. Please. I think we are people. I'm saying we are people of principles, and this is what Moshe was trying to transmit to Am Israel. We are people of principles, and we have our priorities. First of all, is our First of all, it's our bitachon in Hashem. Everything comes from Hashem. This is what Moshe was trying to tell them. Shemitah, Shabbat. First of all, you know, the priority, we put Hashem before everything. And then everything comes in the second place. Beside that, these two tribes, they have a background. It's not by coincidence that they wanted to stay there. Right, right. Reuven, he comes from a problem with his father. He, he invades his, the bed of his father. And the other one is a descendant from Hamor. Hamor and uh, the son of Hamor and Dinah. God? No. No, 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 you're making a mistake. God is, uh, God is not the son of uh, Yosef. No, no, God is one of the Shvatim. No. You're thinking of Shoban Akhmanit. But so what are you saying? But I study that both of them, they have an issue with the system. That's why, you know. I hear, okay, I can hear something like that. We're missing the point. We forget that the Parnassah comes from the kids. Instead of thinking how I'm making money, where is your bitachon b'ashem? The parnasagam with the kids, 100 years. Under the arm. We have a rabbi in the table. His name is Rab Yosef Menaget. He says, "Potach et yadecha umasbiyarat." Right? We have the speech 24/7. Same thing. All right, Oriel, go ahead. I want I want to get to it. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Common sense is when you build a house, before you move into the house, you better make sure there's a refrigerator there, right? Stack it. You don't move into an empty house. First priority is there's a 
They're not going to be homeless and have a house with a refrigerator. That doesn't make sense. They obviously did because Moshe put them in their place. It's not as bad. But the judge is saying not. All right, let's get to the point. Yeah, so listen listen to this, Kevin. I want to share with you two, two ideas, really, which is the same principle which Yosef really was alluding to. It's not the right mentality, but certainly we find that there are people without realizing prioritize their money over their children. And they're good people. They prioritize their money over their children. And if you would ask them, they would say, of course my children are more important to me than my money. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, but think about it for a second. You're going to have your kids homeless and have a refrigerator? What are you talking about? No, of course not. It doesn't make sense. How are you going to feed the kids? If you so the pshat's like this. The pshat is like this. It's true, it's the wrong mentality, but there is certainly a mentality like this, and each of us can look around and think how this applies to us or to other people we know. I think it's a tremendous lesson. Two, two lessons I want to really impart tonight. Let me speak a little bit now. <laughs> My father told me, this is the first point, listen, listen to this. My father told me, this is just one idea, and I'll get to a second point, which is, I'll focus a little more on that one, so I just want to say this first. My father told me, my father grew up in South Africa. My father grew up in South Africa during the apartheid. So the apartheid basically was, you had the wealthy party, was the, the wealthy class was the white people, and you had the black people that were the lower class, and it was very much in the sense that there were like mamash, like you talk about Eved Kenani or Shifcha Kenani, that's what it was like. You talk about like maidservants, like slaves. My father grew up, they were very nice to the lady that helped them out in the house, but she was like, she grew up with, she grew up with my, not, they treated her very nicely, but she like literally grew up taking care of everything in the house. Like it was, it was not only a live-in, it was beyond what you would call a live-in. It was very... So my father says he heard on the radio once when he was in South Africa that he said there was a certain person who was anti-apartheid, he was against this entire movement of the black people being oppressed, etc. And I'm not getting into politics right now, but I'm just telling you what somebody who was anti-apartheid was saying on the radio, I forgot the guy's name. He was saying that it's idiotic what the white people do. Because he said what the white people are doing is, they have the, whatever you want to call it, the black maid at home, She's watching their kids. She's in charge of their kids. They're out of the house working. And the black lady's watching their kids, but they lock the sugar up in the cabinet so she shouldn't steal it. Does that make any sense? Sugar's expensive. She's watching their kids, but they lock the sugar in the cabinet because they think she's going to steal. So what does that show? They don't trust her to, to, when it comes to things that are of financial means, but they're trusting her with their greatest possession, which is their children. 
If you really don't trust her, how could you possibly entrust her with your children? That's ridiculous. So this guy on the radio was saying, the white people who are doing this, it's like a, it's a backwards mentality. How could you possibly trust this person you don't trust? You're showing you don't trust. You're locking up the sugar because you think she's going to steal sugar from you, but you're entrusting her to watch your kids. You're nuts. That's crazy. Now, on this point, I just want to say, everyone can think about how this would be in their own our children are the most important thing in the world. We could never prioritize our money or our assets, our possessions over our children. If there's ever a discussion what's best for our kids or what's best for our assets, so what are we going to say? Of course, what's best for our kids comes first. Sometimes that's a little more difficult than others. When there's pressure, especially if there's financial pressure, things are tight. But we say, of course, we prioritize our kids over our... But some people clearly don't. That's the wrong mentality. But you see that could exist. Now a second point, and this one I think really comes up very, very practical. Guy wants to make money, so he goes to work. He works a nine to five. At the office, is anyone here an accountant? No one here is an accountant, right? So I'm going to use the example of an accountant so I don't offend anybody. So the accountant's at work. He's not here. Whoever's here is, is here. He works nine to five. They offer him at work promotion, you're going to work five hours extra, nine to ten at night, and we're going to pay you significant more money. He goes home and talks it over with his wife, and they agree, you know, it's the best thing for our family, you're going to bring home an extra $30,000, a year, 100000 whatever it is, make a number, and it's going to be the best thing for our kids because we'll be able to give them a better life because now you're going to bring home more money, you're going to work harder and longer hours, but you're going to bring home more money, it'll be a better life for our kids. So what does that guy do? He goes and he works an extra five five hours a day. And then when does he get home at night? 10 o'clock at night. So what ends up happening? He doesn't see his kids in the morning. He doesn't see his kids in the evening. He ends up not being able to see his kids at all. And then for the growing years of his kids, they hardly see their father. 15 years down the line, his kids hardly know who he is. Again, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody here because sometimes we're under financial pressure. The kids don't even know who he is, but he gave them a good life. Now, if you would ask those kids at two years old, would you rather have the luxuries you were able to have because your father worked five extra hours every night and live a higher lifestyle? Or would you rather your father be around to play with you at night? Or to read you stories at night? Or take care of you and show you in a direct and clear way that he loves you and cares for you? There's no kid in the world it's just not the reality. It's not true. There's no kid in the world that would say, I'd rather live a nicer lifestyle. Your kid doesn't care if he's driving in a Maserati or a Toyota Camry. Your kid doesn't care if he's living in a mansion on the water or if he's living in a little house, a little apartment, because it's much more important to your kid that he has a real direct relationship with his father. So he made a decision thinking he's doing what's best for his kid's lifestyle, the betterment for his child. But is that really what's better for his kid? He thinks it's better for his kid, but that's a mistake. And this is a mistake, perhaps it's very applicable. When we make in life, we make these kinds of financial calculations. Now, we have to be very careful. There are sometimes, by the way, there's just such a squeeze to pay our basic bills. We have to work, that's difficult. We have to work harder and we do what we need to do. But if you're talking about working more and living a better lifestyle because you think that's really what your kid wants, that's not what your kid wants. What your kid wants is to have a real connection 
but your kid doesn't want that. What your kid wants is a real connection with his father. Not only he wants that, he'll turn out healthier and better because of that. There's no question, all studies across the board, in psychology, mental health, kids who grow up with their father in the house and involved, there's no question they grow up healthier. It's not even a question. No question at all. So when that guy calculated to himself, you know what, I'll work five extra hours a day, give my kid a better lifestyle. That's a beautiful calculation, but it's not true. You're not really doing that for your kid. That's a mistake. You're, if you want to do for your kid, don't work those extra five hours. Live in an apartment and drive a Toyota Camry and play with your kid at night. Read him storybooks, give him a bath, and give him a kiss before he goes to bed. So the mistake that we could learn from B'nai God, B'nai Reuven, that's not relatable at all. Yeah, it is relatable because we could make the same mistake as well. Sometimes we think we're doing this, we're working harder, making more money because we really want to do what's best for our kids, but really we care more about our money and our possessions than we care about our children. Because if we really cared more about our children, we wouldn't make that extra money. We'd say, I'd rather spend more time with my kids and not make more money that's going to pull me away from those kids and give them a better lifestyle. Very important message. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I want to tell you, uh, tell everybody in Middle East. He was a, a lawyer attorney that he was working overtime and come home late all the time and every, uh, every night, mostly every night. So one night he comes home, he sees the kids, he's not sleeping, he's awake and... He said, why are you not asleep? And the kid said, can I ask you something? How much you make an hour when you work? He said, like $200. She runs, she runs, she brings a piggy bag, she brings, he count all the money, and he give 200 He said, can you spend one hour time with me? Can you spend yeah. one hour with me? I'll give you the 200 Yeah. There you go. That's a different story. You killed yourself to make the money too. So that's that's the better solution because you spent the years with your kids and you also hustled like a dog because you need to make the money. That's a different story. We try our best. Of course, I'm saying it as a, as a general rule. There's things that it's just. You know, I think it's a tremendous lesson. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? That's, Most that's people think exactly the other way. They think, I woke up, I give my family a better life, I give them a big yeah. house. And they're right. By the way, they're not wrong. It's my responsibility as the man of the house to provide for my family. But providing for my family means spending time with my kids also. It's an unbelievable thing. If you think you're just going to give money, that's not what makes your kid healthy ultimately. They need money to survive, but if they want to grow healthy in a successful way, you need to spend time with them. And now again, when there's financial pressure, it's very difficult. But if you could spend that time and provide in a way that's successful for them, of course that's the priority. Of course that's ideal. Perhaps that's another message we learned from these B'nai God and B'nai Reuven. Uh, in this case that we are talking, I personally don't think it was a big mistake because let's compare these two. We're talking about the children. Yeah. Who needs who? Children needs the animal or animal needs the children? Which one of these two? The animal really doesn't need the But the children needs the animal to survive. 
So somehow no, they will sit you what they need first. Then they will. Right. We're not talking about the needs. We're talking about the priorities. They don't need the animals. We are talking about why You know why they don't need the animals? I will tell you why. They survived in the desert for four years with Mana. And this is what Mashu was trying to tell them. They still had the animals with them. But it's showing the priorities. They had the animals But they have a lesson in the desert with No, it's impossible to live with animals. Yes, they survived with the Mana. How do you do it? In the desert, they survived with the Mana and the water from Mana. Shlomo, I don't think it's so much of... And do you think we don't? We don't receive the money today. In today's day, we also receive the money. No, the point is, the point is, it's not really a discussion. It's not really a discussion so much. It's not really a discussion who needs who. It's priorities. They were showing that's the priority, and that's what the midrash says. They, no, but that's what the midrash says. They love. They love. The midrash says they loved their money more than their kids. That's what the midrash says. That's unbelievable. So I'm saying, yeah, because sometimes people could think they're doing for their kids, but they're not doing for their kids. That's that's the that's the lesson here. My first trip to Israel, I get into a big yeshiva in Jerusalem. Thousands of students, thousands. I, I was going around, around, it was like five stories. And I went to a teach. And then I went room by room to visit the yeshiva. It was gigantic. And I was wondering, how can we support this building and all these, you know, thousands of students? They feed them. Okay, they live there. They teach them. They need teachers. They need food. If you enter the kitchen, they were I don't know how many sinks, electricity, how, how many how many bathrooms, how many uh, tables for all of them. Who can support this kind of things? And when I was walking in the hallway, there was a board, an electric board that showed the donations that come from all around the world in six and seven zeros, millions wow. of dollars from all around the world and you, you were walking and you see the numbers moving. One million and a half, two million, three million. And this is not the mana, tell me, this is not the mana. I spoke with the Russian Yeshiva and he told me this is our mana. This is the mana that they have in the desert. So what cattle do you need? I think it's very important. I'm just going to finish off with this and then I'll go around the table I once to speak. I just want to finish off with this. I think very often in life, we make decisions, thinking we're doing the right thing. We always try to do the right thing. Obviously, we always, we're good people, we want to do the right thing. But it's very important to get to the bottom. What is driving me to do this ultimately? And I want to just finish off with one point. Why would somebody rather spend more hours in the office than spend time with his kid? Listen to this. I read this online. There's a psychological explanation for that also. It's natural. We want to be involved in something that we feel like we're successful, that we feel like we're worthwhile. Sometimes you find a guy who work later in the office because he feels like that's something he's good at rather than go spend time with his kids because he doesn't have patience for his kids. That's very natural. I'm not saying that's not natural. Especially for us men, by the way, that we very often get our feeling of satisfaction from our work, from our production in that way, not so much from the traditional uh, home involvement, etc. We might not get that sense of satisfaction. Therefore, it would be logical for us to conclude, I'd rather spend hours in the office, which gives me a certain sense of satisfaction, but then disregard the problem with that is, as I said, we're ultimately not spending time with our kids. So what's the solution to that problem? The solution to that issue is we have to train ourselves to have patience. 
We have to develop ourselves so that, no, we could go home and do homework with the kids and go to, you know, take care of the kids in ways that we could do. Obviously, Halavai, the wife, helps out. But the point is, we do whatever we can that we should do because, again, A, that's what we need, we need to do. That's really taking care of our kids. And B, it's the reality is kids grow up healthier like that. That's the reality. Sometimes we can't do, we can't do, we do our best. But the point is, that's the bottom line here. We have to know when it comes, that's the lesson we learned from the B'nai Gad, B'nai Reuven. When we make such decisions in life, is this really what's better for my family, for my kids? Or maybe there's some other motivation. Makes me feel better. I want to drive a Maserati, etc., etc. We have to get to the core of the issue. And if the core of the issue is that's not what's best for my kids, that's the wrong decision. Because your kids are your greatest investment forever and always. You spend everything there. Not the Maserati or the fancy house. They don't care about that. My next Gilgul, I definitely spent time with the kids. We're going to stop here, gentlemen. Shabbat shalom. Zakub, I don't know if we'll stop here, Shabbat